Hey, Father, we thank you for such a full list of praises, of, Lord, testimonies of the unseen hand, God, moving in individual lives. And, Lord, of just being able to be a blessing one to another, sharing the fellowship, sharing the, the goodness of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you for your protection over us, for allowing us to travel uh, all the way up there. And, Lord, it was just a few hours, but uh, what a pleasant time it was. And, Lord, we're thankful for the testimony that uh, we were able to, to be up there just singing songs and people coming out and videotaping it and paying attention to the words of the songs that talk about the greatness of your love to us. Lord, we thank you for working out situations. And Lord, we, we just want to stop and say thank you for allowing us to get through phase one of seeing the Union Baptist Church brought back to life, literally, and, and put back on its feet. And, Lord, we, we do understand that there is a long way to go. It's going to be an uphill battle every step of the way. And, Lord, we just ask that you would give grace and strength as you have. And we thank you for everything that you have done to bring us this far. And we just want to stop and, and not even ask anything right now. You know the needs. We'll bring them to you in just a little while. But we just want to say thank you. We th- say thank you for what you're doing there at Morris Park. And Lord, bringing people out to be a testimony there. And even on the same day when we travel to Fleshman's, still reaching out there in that neighborhood in the Bronx with the gospel. Lord, we just want to praise you for working in our hearts and lives and using our church to reach lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Last Sunday night we looked at Joseph, and tonight let's just take a few moments and look at Mary's story and Mary's journey. And we'll take just a moment and read the Scripture here. Luke chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, 
How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. We'll stop right there and and we'll just begin the the story here. And and this is familiar ground. I mean, this is something that we've been through. Uh, Many of us have memorized these verses several years ago. We had the ladies memorize certain verses and the guys and and we recited it all in in, uh, parts and and, and that was a, a very special thing that we did. But what we're looking here tonight is Mary's faith. And she had expectations. She had uh, things that she was hoping. This was not a, a good time in the history of Israel. Uh, the Roman legions had come through the land about 150 years before and had successfully subjugated the entire land of Israel. Uh, There was no freedom. Everything that was allowed in the land of Israel was at the beck and call of Rome. Uh, You do not need to be a a great student of history to understand that the Romans uh, were not nice people. Uh, they were cruel and they were harsh. And as long as you did exactly what they said, just the way they said it, everything is okay. Uh, you change that just the least little bit. And, and the Romans were uh, unbelievable, undescribable in their, um, uh, in their ability to get what they wanted. You have... Uh, a history, uh, just Jesus was born. He lived about 30 years, about 40 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, 70 A.D. There was a small group of Jewish people, less than a thousand, got out of the city of Jerusalem, went up to Herod's old uh, fortress there in the desert called Masada, and rather than just leaving those several hundred people up there on top of that mountain all to themselves, the entire power of Rome invested that mountaintop and would not rest until they had brought that thing down. Who knows how many hundreds and uh, hundreds of casualties, and when they got to the top of the mountain, the people that were there had committed mass suicide. They didn't rescue one. They didn't capture one living soul. And that was the way Rome was. And this is the world in which Joseph and Mary, Joseph being a direct descendant of David, you know what, that didn't really go for much in their days. It didn't, there had not been a king upon the throne of David in over 600 years. 
be kind of like the Indians taking over Manhattan again. Uh, and who knows, uh, if they could put a casino here, I'm sure they'd find some way to give it back to them, uh, the way the governor works in our state. But uh, don't, don't hold your breath. That's, I don't think that's going to happen there. But it, it, it's impossible. And now we're waiting nearly 2,000 years since these events. And yet Jesus has not returned to claim his throne as of yet. And someone says, well, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I want you to wonder how close it must be. Amen. How, how, how close we must be to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we just want to make a few connections here. Mary did not say very much. The angel was the great talker here and explained what was going to happen. And um, I don't think I ever read through this uh, passage that I do not remember uh, one class that, that I had in Bible college. It was called Christology. Uh, the theology about Jesus Christ. And uh, in that one class, I think I, the requirement, I turned in over a hundred pages of typed uh, reports and papers and things like that. It was, a, uh, it was a very, very intense class. And uh, yet, we spent probably the first, almost at least the first third of the entire semester trying to answer the question that Mary asked in verse 34. Mary said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary said, how am I going to have a child when I'm not, the marriage hasn't been consummated, I'm not in a relationship with a man, how is this child going to be born? And of course, the theological term for that is the hypostatic union, and meaning the relationship between Jesus as God and Jesus as man, how that came together. And boy, I mean, they just read this guy and read that guy and talked to this. And I love the answer. I'm glad I'm not in that class anymore. It says... The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Now, aren't you glad I didn't get out my notes from that class and try to review all the arguments all through the ages and and try to put that thing and tell you, this is the greatest thoughts that man has about this, when the greatest thoughts that man has about anything are absolutely just a bunch of wind. What we want to know is what God said. Amen? And what God simply said was, I'm going to do this. Don't worry about trying to figure it out. You know, every once in a while I'll meet somebody who says, Well, I don't believe in anything I can't understand. And if I don't catch myself, my first response is, Well, then you don't believe very much, do you? Uh, because we don't understand near as much as we think we do now, do we? 
Uh, we and, and what we're looking at is Mary's faith. Here's what she said. Verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now that word handmaid means slave girl, servant. I, I'm going to be the handmaid. I'm going to be obedient to your word. Now what did Mary have to do? How many of you remember our theme verse for this year? Be still. And know that I am God. You know what? That's all Mary had to do. But how hard is that? How hard would that be for a young woman? Certainly not past her early 20s, maybe still in her mid or late teens. We uh, all, all we know of the traditions of, of this time and this time period was normally somewhere between 18 and 20 was really the time to get married. They didn't wait like we do today. And, and the young men had to get out there and, and earn an income and set up housekeeping and prove that they could provide. And they were in that last year there of their uh, a relationship as Joseph was proving not only to Mary and her family, but to himself and really to the community of, at large that he was uh, mature enough and able to enter into this wedding arrangement. And sometime in that uh, process, as they were waiting for the wedding, Mary meets Gabriel. He just appears, walks into the room and was not a normal thing for a man to be in uh, a closed room with a woman alone. There were chaperones there, and, and people were there. There was things to, uh, uh, to protect, but Mary met the angel. He talked to her, and her only statement was, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. I will do whatever you want. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And then Mary takes off to see Elizabeth. How many figured out why Mary took off to see Elizabeth? Because the angel told her to. The angel said, listen, uh, and behold thy cousin Elizabeth. Now, how are you going to behold somebody if you don't go see him? Amen. He said, listen, you, you go talk to Elizabeth, because in her old age, God has given her a son. She has a miracle child as well, and you will do well to spend some time with her. And so Mary went and visited her, and shortly before little John the Baptist was born, Mary comes back to Nazareth, and... Now, Mary, as, as we have alluded to, must face the music. People begin to talk. Mary would not be uh, allowed, really, to defend herself. And how could she defend herself? The only person that could protect Mary at this point was Joseph. And we talked about Joseph's faith, how that he just believed God's Word, even though it made no sense. 
Even though many other young ladies had tried to use that same excuse, except they were lying. The, the morality of the Jewish people was not at an all-time high. It was very low and it had gotten lax. And the people of Israel were not following the law of God as they should. Uh, there was this small group of the Pharisees and those of their descendants that were very zealous about trying to keep the law, but overall this was a depressed and very godless time in the nation of Israel as a people. And Joseph took Mary his wife. There was just simply a knock at the door one night. And the door, she opened the door, or her mother or father would have opened the door, and there was Joseph. And you could just see Mary's parents going, this problem solved. And Joseph took Mary, his wife, and Mary went. And, of course, we talked about they, they gave up all of the things that would have normally been a part of this very joyous times so that they could be used of God to accomplish His will. Now, let me tell you something. God's will is always best. Amen? And you don't have to worry about this happening to you, because it would only happen one time in all of history. And we need to strive to understand and to listen And we get down here, if you're still in the book of Luke, let's skip over to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, we think of taxation, and by the way... How many of you have heard, let's just take a moment and chase this thing down. How many of you have heard that Trump's new tax bill is going to hurt New Yorkers? Uh, I mean, that's what they, you, you want to know why Trump's tax bill is going to hurt New Yorkers? Is because our president had enough guts to pull back some of the veneer that they're called deductions that have been hiding the reduction. Ridiculous tax rates uh, that border on tyranny in some of these liberal northeastern states. And they're screaming. If you had to pay the taxes in cash that came out of your uh, paycheck every week, you wouldn't do it. Sometimes it's close to 50% of your paycheck just disappears. And... Uh, I was talking with someone. Oh, says, oh yes. It says, don't worry because uh, this is based on on payroll, and and you'll get a, a reimbursement. We we're talking about insurance or something, and and uh, there there won't be any taxes taken out of it. It'll be almost. Oh, she was talking about disability payments or insurance payments, uh, workers' comp, and said, it, you know, you'll get up to two thirds or three quarter of your salary, but no tax is taken out of it, and so it'll be just like getting a regular paycheck. And, and I said, uh, our church doesn't do withholding. 
We have to pay our taxes. And so it wouldn't matter whether there's anything taken out or not. Oh, well, that's usually a big selling point for our program. And this taxing was not just showing up and giving a few bucks. This taxing was only done once so many ever. You would, most people had to take out a loan. Most people had to mortgage their home or their business to pay these taxes. This, this was the tyranny of Rome in every sense of the word. This would not have been a pleasant trip because it may have taken them several years to pay back the taxes that they had to pay when they went to Bethlehem. And ladies, how many of you would like to make a 60-mile journey eight months pregnant? I mean, Sarah can't even come visit us for Christmas this year because the Christmas is too close to the due date. They wouldn't let her on the plane to, to certainly wouldn't let her on the plane to go home, let alone on the plane to come here. And so she can't do that, but there's nobody saying, Mary, you're too close to your due date. You need to just stay home and rest and bring up your strength. No, she had to make that journey. And I always like to put this in. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. There was no mule to carry Mary to Bethlehem. They walked. They walked miles every day to get there. It was not a pleasant trip. It would not have been fun at all for Mary. And when they got there, what happened? There was no place to stay except the barn. And it wasn't a barn like we have. I mean, back when uh, my dad was born in his generation, there were times, uh, almost not every family, but many families at a time when... uh, if uh, everybody was out in the field, mom went into labor, sometimes a baby was born in the barn. Uh, but it wasn't too long before they packed everybody up and got them back in the house where they belonged. But this barn was more like a cave. They didn't have wood like we do today. Now, a cave would have been a nice place, but there's not a lot of ventilation. And... Uh, Cows don't go outside to go use the restroom. Neither do the sheep or any of the other animals that are there. It's just, uh, if you don't clean it out, it doesn't get cleaned out. And here's Mary and Joseph, and their maternity ward is the place where they stored the hay to feed the animals. Now, here's what it says about Mary again. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, what was all these things? Joseph knocking at the door and taking her to be his wife, traveling to Bethlehem, all that journey there, delivering in the, in the manger, and then having somewhere between 50 and 100 shepherds troop through the maternity ward on the birth night, saying, where's the king of the Jews? The Messiah of our people has been born. And, and here's Mary. The Bible says she kept all these things. And she thought about them. Now, 
Why did she think about them? Well, because for the next 30 years, you know what was going to happen with Jesus? Nothing. He was just going to grow up. He was going to be so ordinary a man that no one would believe that he was the Messiah. Do you get that? Now, Mary's faith is going to be tested. Maybe you'd like to wait 30 years to see something happen. You wonder why she was so eager at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee? I mean, Mary was not an unperceptive person. She knew what was going on and she said to the to uh, Jesus, and Jesus answered her rather roughly, said, Woman, my time has not yet come. And yet, Jesus did step in and perform that first miracle. And what happened? His disciples began to believe on him. Nobody else did, but the disciples did. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And let's go down. Let's just pick up this story here. Is uh, eight days they would have uh, uh, taken uh, Jesus to the temple because it was close there to um, be circumcised. And then in verse 22, it says, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, it should have been a little over a month, they took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then we have... Um, Simeon and Anna, and Simeon said some interesting things down here in verse 34 pertaining unto Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, I... I took chances, as I've done on many other occasions, and tried to find the commentary that made any sense of that at all. And uh, the, the, the prevailing thought that, that, would fit, that does fit here is that Mary would suffer greatly seeing Jesus suffer on the cross, and she did. But I'd like to just throw out an idea here, because a sword piercing through your soul... Usually means death now, doesn't it? Right? And uh, uh, my, my thought is simply this, because it says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know, we don't know exactly when this veneration of Mary began, but it was early on in the church that the true Mary, the true mother of Jesus, was pushed out of the way, was removed from historical record altogether, and a fake, made-up woman called Mary that they could worship as God, pray to as a God, venerate as a God, was installed in the place of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You see, they had to eradicate the historical records. You, you read in any Catholic history book and they'll tell you that Joseph was an aged man uh, incapable of producing children and, and about three-quarters of the way dead that loaned his name to Mary to protect her as a friendly thing. Uh, 
that's not true. Mary and Joseph were a normal couple in that day trying to live life and God turned their world upside down. But He had a reason to do so. Amen? And Mary and Joseph had other children. The Bible gives us their names. Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, was one of them. James, who wrote the book of James, was a natural child of Mary and Joseph. We would call them half-brothers of the Lord Jesus. And Mary had kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And really, in order for the thoughts of many to be revealed, they had to get rid of the Mary of the Bible and put their own Mary in there. Because the Mary of the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church and most Protestant churches has nothing to do at all with the Mary of the Bible. It's a made-up thing. And it reveals their hearts that they don't want to worship the God of the Bible. They don't want to understand the simple truths that are in this book. And Simeon said, it's going to happen. They're going to speak against Jesus. And they're going to get rid of you and put a fake in your place. I believe that's what his prophecy uh, uh, meant. And we're not transgressing any scripture there. In fact, we're just fulfilling and explaining some of the things that have happened. But let's go down to verse 51 of this same chapter. We're almost done. About 12 years old, they took Jesus with them to um, Jerusalem for the Passover. They begin the journey back. And they expect Jesus to be traveling with them, and he's not. After the first day's journey, now they have to turn around. Now, you have to remember, this is an entire day's journey. They've gone away from Jerusalem. They stop, they look for him, they can't find him. Now, they've got to travel another day back. And then they're going to spend three days walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem looking for Jesus, and they finally find him in the temple. Needless to say, the Bible says in the uh, next to last verse, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Uh, th- this means there was some discipline meted out there. Uh, Joseph was not pleased with this situation. He uh, probably wasn't too happy with the answer that he got either when Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And uh, yet Jesus surrendered to that discipline and being subject to them. The Bible says in that last verse that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But what did Mary's response to all this? Look at the end of verse 51. But his mother kept all these, what was the next thing? Sayings. She kept all these things and pondered them. She kept all these sayings in her heart. See, we get down to John chapter 19, and where was Mary? She was standing at the foot of the cross looking up at her son. Do you think she was thinking about that day When she held that little baby in Bethlehem's manger? Yeah, she was thinking about these things. She was thinking about the promises of God. Do you think that she had some special grace to understand all the prophecies and everything that we do today? I don't think so. 
Because when Jesus looked down, He said, Mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He was telling John, the writer of the Gospel of John, the beloved disciple, you're going to take care of this person. Because I, I couldn't imagine any response that Mary could have had except to have just been emptied of everything that was inside of her. What do you think? But guess where she was on the day of Pentecost, my friend? She was in the upper room with his brethren assembled with the believers. You see, that's the last mention we have of Mary. She was in church worshiping her son. And when somebody brings up this thing of Mary, the mother of God, and all of this, please be gentle, but don't pass over this. She's not the mother of God. She was the instrument that God used to bring flesh upon Jesus Christ, our Savior. She was a human woman. She always was. She never changed. There was nothing miraculous or special. Mary was a woman, always was. And and in Luke chapter 1, we did not read the verse, but when she met with Elizabeth, she said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. And we talked about that this morning. If you need a Savior, you're admitting that you need to be saved. So Mary was doing exactly what every believer should do. She followed Jesus. When he died, she was there. On the day of Pentecost, she was in church where she ought to be keeping a simple and honest faith and obedience to the words of Jesus Christ as recorded in this book called the Bible. Mary's faith was a simple faith. She didn't ask for explanations. I love Zechariah. Show me a sign that you're talking to me. He said that to the angel. Could you imagine saying that to God's messenger? And the messenger looked at him and said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and you're not going to utter a sound until all these things come to pass. And Zechariah comes out of the temple. He was supposed to bless the people and, and pronounce a blessing upon, upon the, uh, the Jewish nation that was gathered at the temple as he was offering incense on the golden altar. And I'm sure that he was just full of the blessings of God and he comes out and opens his mouth and nothing comes out. Don't you think Elizabeth just had a ball? For the next nine months, not a peep out of her husband. Now, ladies, you're not allowed to say amen to that, all right? But uh, uh, there are a lot of wives that would really, truly enjoy all that silence. To do whatever they want, he couldn't say a thing. And he didn't open his mouth until all these things. But here's Mary. 
Behold the handmaid of the Lord. I'm his servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. I have no idea what's going on, but you do it anyway. That's faith. And you know what we need to do? Christmas gets complicated sometimes, doesn't it? All the things that are going on, you got to get presents, you got to do this, you got to do that. We, we need to just take a little break and get a little of Mary's faith in God and just sit still. Let God be God. Amen. That's what Mary did her whole life. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that this example would help us and drive us to that simple childlike faith that you so desperately desire for us to have. It's only then that you can truly bless us and give us those things that you would. Lord, help us to be faithful to you, your word, your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to slip out, spend a few moments, the altar's open, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.